BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it's official. Ron DeSantis is in the race. We'll talk about that with John Phillips tonight. Lauren Boebert is here. What's going on in Congress? What's going on with the debt ceiling? That's barely important. And the media is really mad at me about something. You'll hear how sorry I am. All that's coming up on I'm Right. They call it faith because in the face of darkness, you can see that brighter future. A faith that our best days lay ahead of us. But is it worth the fight? Do I have the courage? Is it worth the sacrifice? America has been worth it every single time. Well, there you have it. Ron DeSantis running for president. Now, the beauty of that is if you watch I'm Right, you've known this for a year. Back when all your friends in politics were saying, I don't think he's running, Jesse. He's not going to run. And when they were saying, he's going to be Trump's VP. You, because you watch I'm Right, you already knew he was running. Because I told you he was running in no uncertain terms. When I have a theory about something or I think something, I tell you. When I know something, 
I tell you, I know it. I told you he was running. Of course he's running. Running for president, wants to be the big cheese. He's an ambitious, accomplished governor. Thinks he has what it takes to be president. Thinks he has what it takes to be Donald Trump. And that's why he's doing what he's doing. Now, why? What's, what's with the timing? Why did he wait? Why now? Why not wait longer? Okay, well, let's just analyze this thing. I'll give you my personal opinion here in a second. Let's analyze this thing. This is never going to be, ah, oh, Trump, DeSantis show. I don't, I don't do that. We have bigger fish to fry, bigger issues, bigger things at stake than the Republican primary of 2024. But we will talk about it and analyze it whenever things come up. Why did he wait up until now? Well, he had just run for governor. Florida had a resign-to-run law, so he wasn't allowed to still be governor and run for president. He wanted to remain governor for a time. Why? Well, he wanted to sign, honestly, the greatest legislative session I've seen out of a state in my entire 41 years on this planet. There's there's no other way around. It doesn't matter which camp you're in. Trump, DeSantis, all all these other things today. You, You want to go down the list of what they just signed into law? of why Florida has become Free State USA. They ban gender identity education through eighth grade. They ban transgender procedures and puberty blockers for minors. Uh, No more drag shows for kids. Taxpayer money can no longer fund DEI, that diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff at universities, so attacking the universities. Bail laws, hardened. No more letting violent criminals out of jail. There are now bigger punishments for illegal immigration, specifically businesses who hire illegal immigrants. Constitutional carry. It's just on and on we go. A heartbeat abortion bill, six weeks, no more abortions in Florida. They banned vaccine mandates and gain-of-function research. They had an incredible legislative session thanks to an awesome legislature and Ron DeSantis himself, who deserves all the credit in the world. And it really doesn't matter whether you're on Trump or DeSantis's team. If you live in Florida, your life is not only better now, it will be better going forward because of what they did. They wanted to wait and sign this big legislative session into law. As soon as he signed that legislation into law, including legislation that said he can now be a candidate for president while remaining governor because they changed the law form. Now he's off to the races. Now it's time to get it on. Now it's time for fundraising. Now it's time for GOTV efforts. Now it's time to organize on the ground. Let's pause here before we go on here for a moment. Let's talk about the things you and I see and the things that matter because oftentimes they're different. When we, when we talk about presidential races, you probably already have a pick. Either you're a Trump guy or a DeSantis guy or a Trump girl or a DeSantis girl. You probably already are. So what do we see? You'll see I'm right every night. We'll play it whenever something interesting happens. Like I said, this is not going to be an all-the-time thing on the show. It bores me. But you'll, we'll, we'll play when something big happens. You will see the debates. Obviously, you're going to watch the debates. I'm going to watch the debates. It's going to be something we're all going to sit and watch. Let's go watch them beat each other up on national TV. Those are the things we'll see. Maybe we'll see them sparring back and forth on social media. Trump sucks. DeSantis is an idiot rhino. We'll see that. But beyond that, we don't see the other stuff that really, really actually matters more, to be honest with you. I, let's pause on this for a moment. Remember, I ran for Congress and lost twice in Arizona. So that's a teeny tiny thing. But it's something. It was running for the U.S. House of Representatives. And I remember taking a step back at one point in time and thinking, man, this is a lot. Meaning, operationally, it's a lot. 
I had to have an office down here in this location, but that location was too far away from another important part of my district, so I had to open up a separate office there. So I have multiple offices. I have people I need to hire and recruit volunteers for phone banking. I have this separate group of volunteers I have to hire to get out and vote and knock on doors and try to get it. I also have a separate group of people, and they need to organize fundraising efforts. We need to have fundraising parties. We have to line up dinners with rich guys. That's a long way of saying for a congressional race, there was a lot. It's not like you're running that with a staff of one or two. There's a lot involved, a lot of moving pieces. Now magnify that times a million. That's a presidential race, and that's the stuff that actually wins. It's stuff that you won't ever actually see, stuff that I won't ever actually see. And when I get inside baseball on it, because I know people in both camps, I will tell you, but now, when it comes to Trump, when it comes to DeSantis, now, it's blocking and tackling time. How are your precincts coming along? Because different areas are broken up in precincts. Do you have a guy in this precinct? Do you have a lady in that precinct? Are you organizing? How's your GOTV effort? What are you doing for fundraising? How's your fundraising? Money matters. It matters a lot in politics. It matters a lot in politics. Where are you spending your money? Are you overspending on, on consultants? Are you do This is all nitty gritty stuff that you can get way down in the weeds on, but it's the stuff that really matters. Now we have two big boy candidates in the race, and now it's on. That's the bottom line. Now it's on. As for me, everyone knows what will decide my vote. I've been honest with you about that. I like Trump. He's a great president for three years. I like DeSantis. He's been an outstanding governor. I have told you the two things that will determine my vote. One, how you talk about COVID. And this is my biggest thing. How you talk about COVID lockdowns, how you talk about the, the vaccine and things like that. I'm not saying that has to be your list. For me, COVID lockdowns are the greatest crime ever perpetrated against the American people. And no, not day 30, day one. You don't ever point at your freaking economy and tell it to stop moving for a virus. It's still the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. It makes my blood pressure go through the roof. Now, both guys were lockdown guys. Donald Trump up there, hands the country to Fauci. 15 days to slow the spread. Ron DeSantis locked down Florida. The reason I'm leaning towards voting Ron DeSantis hard right now and will vote for Ron DeSantis right now unless this changes is because I got this out of Ron DeSantis. What could you do, um, you know, earlier? I mean, I think like it, when, when, when COVID was first coming, you know, we were actually engaged in it. Uh, I was telling Trump, stop the flights from China because we didn't know what we were dealing with. Um, but, you know, I never thought in February, early March that it would lead to locking down the country. I just didn't. I didn't think that was on the radar. Uh, I was dealing with, I mean, I had Pence and uh, the CDC director down at Port Everglades talking about cruise ships the second week of March, and no one was talking about shutting down the country. And I think if knowing now what I know then, if, I, if that was a threat earlier, I would have been much louder. Some ownership. He's also on camera basically crying about the fact that people couldn't see relatives and things like that. Perfect? No. I would have preferred there were never any lockdowns ever. But some ownership. The reason I'm leaning that way instead of voting for Trump, and I'm not telling you how to vote, I'm telling you how I'm planning on voting as of now, is there's been not even that much ownership out of Trump. None. In fact, he's still, to this day, bragging about it. He just said recently in a speech he did it perfectly, he defended not firing Fauci, said the left would have been mad at him. 
He said that uh, Operation Warp Speed, which is one of the most devastating pieces of legislation in U.S. history, he he's still saying it saved millions of lives. That's not good enough for me. And maybe that doesn't matter to you. Maybe you have a different list of priorities. It's not good enough for me. It will never be good enough for me. I am going to get some ownership or I'm not voting that way. That's just the bottom line. But that's personally. Let's set that aside. Donald Trump's running on an outstanding platform. And it will be interesting to see what the differences are in the two guys and their platforms. Because I know everyone in Team Trump says he's so much better and different. And everyone on Team DeSantis says he's so much better and different. But when it comes to the issues, personally, one of them may be better. One of them may be different. But when it comes to the issues, they're just not that far apart. Trump's running on a platform that I like. Secure the border. Stop that horrific war in Ukraine where has young men thrown into the daggone meat grinder. Ending concealed carry so people who have concealed carry, they can carry everywhere. Wants to remove DEI from all universities. Crack down on transgender surgery. So on and so on and so forth. Donald Trump has a, an outstanding platform and there's a million reasons to vote for him. How will voters vote in this primary? I don't know the answer to that. You don't know the answer to that. We can all guess right now. I don't know. I suspect right now Donald Trump is the most comfortable, or comfortable, most popular Republican in the country, that if the primary votes were held today, that he would win, but they are not held today. They're held a long time from now. And remember, there's not a primary day in the Republican presidential primary. There are different states. You know, Iowa's first, and you're moving on to this state and that state. This different states vote at different times, and each candidate will have to have a separate campaign organization within each state. You see what I mean? I don't know. You don't know. I don't know where all this is going to go. And there's another thing none of us know. We don't know what's going to happen to Trump criminally, and how does that change the primary? We don't know. You know my thoughts on it. I mean, you know, Julie Kelly's been the one covering all this stuff. Remember what Julie Kelly said? They wouldn't actually put Donald Trump in prison, right? A former president? You don't think they'll go that far, right? I absolutely do. Does that happen? Does that happen during the campaign? If that happens, how does that change things? I, I don't know. I do know this. Because of what's happening with Trump legally in New York and what's happening with Trump legally in D.C. and what's happening with Trump probably in Georgia, from what I understand, this is going to be unlike any primary campaign we've ever seen. I mean, what do you do? What, what do you do if it's debate night and Trump can't come because he's being arraigned that day? I mean, what, what do you do? You've never had to experience anything like this. I've never had to experience anything like this. Here's what you're going to get here on I'm Right. We're going to analyze it as best we can, uh, the best we can do, and we're going to take this primary campaign as it comes along. And we'll tell you, I'll tell you honestly, what I like, what I don't like from both candidates. Look, if you're on a team, that's fine. Wave that flag, campaign for your guy. I will just leave you with this before we move on. So we're going to talk to John Phillips about all this. Remember, Donald Trump's voters and Ron DeSantis's voters, I know you don't want to believe this today because emotions are high. They're the same people. They're the same people. Prioritize this a little different. Prioritize that a little different. So if you're on Team Trump and you want to pour venom on Ron DeSantis, pour all the venom on the world on Ron DeSantis. Let him have it. Rhino Ron or whatever, whatever the case is. And if you're on Team DeSantis and you don't like Donald Trump, pour all the venom in the world on Donald Trump. Lock down Don and everything. Go for it. 
Save the animosity for the candidates themselves, not the candidates' voters. The candidates' voters are your people, and once this primary is done, whoever wins, they will still be your people, and we will come together again as anti-communists, all right? All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. Now, let's talk to John Phillips about this. He always has a good eye for this stuff. Before we talk to John, let's talk about one of the reasons why I won't be doing a Trump DeSantis show every night. One, it's boring. Two, there are much bigger things at stake right now. Much bigger things. As in the newest report out that says inflation is going to last at least through 2024. This is while the world is busy moving off of the dollar as the reserve currency. Are you paying attention to what's happening out there? Do you have gold and silver coins in your physical possession? Not just in your IRA and 401k, and that's really important so you don't lose your retirement when this bubble pops, but do you have gold and silver coins in your physical possession? You need to. Oxford Gold handles all this for you. The IRA, 401k, the physical possession stuff, and I love that they're really chill about it. They don't, they're not in your face. Buy now! It's nothing like that. It's a real laid-back thing. Call 833-995-GOLD and tell them Jesse told you to call. They'll take care of you, I promise. They will. 833-995-GOLD. We'll be back. All right. Let's talk to John about all this. Ron DeSantis announces it's the least surprising thing in the world. Joining me now, my friend John Phillips of the great John Phillips show on the great KABC in Los Angeles. John, okay, you're not surprised. I'm not surprised. You and I have had this conversation a million times. Ron DeSantis gets in. Clearly Trump's the most popular Republican in America today, but the primaries are different things, different states, different times, different organizational structures to them. What do you think about it? Well, I think it's all going to depend on which candidate shows up. I know that you, like me, am a fan of 1980s professional wrestling. And you think of Hulk Hogan. When he entered the ring to go after Andre the Giant to slam him, he wore that yellow bandana, that yellow and red bandana that became an iconic part of Hulk Hogan's image. Yet when you saw him in the lawsuit, he was going after Gunker. He had the black bandana. It's almost like a more formal bandana. And depending on where he is, the bandana will signify which one's showing up, which version of Hulk Hogan will be there. And you look at Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis is a guy who's been a lot of different things over the years. Uh, you go back to his time in the House of Representatives, he was one of the Freedom Caucus guys, where he cared about things like entitlements and reigning in the administrative state and those sorts of things. When he became a candidate for governor, he became, in part because of the Trump endorsement, an America first kind of guy. And that was what we saw all through COVID, when he rejected the pleas from the Anthony Fauci's of the world to shut everything down, the schools, the economy, get rid of the separation of powers. He refused to do that, and he became that guy. But since COVID has gone away, he's become more of a culture warrior kind of candidate, where he's gone to war with Disney, and he spends a lot of time dealing with the drag queens and those sorts of things. And I'm curious to see how he frames himself as a candidate, which version of Ron DeSantis shows up. 
from my point of view, the most successful way for him to put him, promote himself in a Republican primary is to be that middle version, be that America first guy. He's the guy that would have fired Fauci had he been in the White House. He's the guy that would have fired Deborah Burks. He's the guy that would have fired Rochelle Walensky. And Donald Trump is very vulnerable on those subjects. And I also am curious to see which version of Donald Trump shows up. Because of late, every interview I see of him, he's still talking about the 2020 election like it happened yesterday. I don't think that's the winning ticket for 2024. You have to move on. You have to talk about what's relevant. If I were Donald Trump, I would go back to 2016 and run on the subject of immigration. The border is more broken now than it was in 2016. And because the cartels have the unlimited ability to ship in fentanyl to all parts of the country, that's what the driving force is for homelessness. That's the driving force for crime. That's the driving force for people who die much sooner than they probably should, which is afflicting the Middle West the same way that it's afflicting the major American cities. If I'm Donald Trump, I spike the football and say, I was right. They given me my wall, we wouldn't have to deal with all of this. But he's got to stop relitigating the 2020 election if he's going to do that. Okay, I don't disagree with that. Uh, Relitigating the 2020 election is something that I love to do when I'm with my hardcore friends. But as we've seen time after time after time, voters do not want to hear it. Voters in general do not want to look back. They want to look forward. They want to be inspired by what is to come. Now, here's something that fascinates me about this. Trump, I can see it clear as day, so I'm sure you can. He's very clearly trying to get away from cultural issues. He's made more than one comment recently. I don't think we should deal with abortion. I want to get away from that. I see this as Trump trying to make this race about immigration and foreign policy and things like that, because that's where his bread is buttered. And DeSantis will try to be the culture guy. My question is, who wins in that scenario? I, I don't think you can walk away from immigration if you're Ron DeSantis. That's something people care about. But if you're Donald Trump, I don't think you can walk away from issues like the culture war stuff either. Right? Well, from my point of view, I see the culture war issues being a distraction for Trump. What I, as a voter, am, am interested in is making sure that the border is safe and secure. I'm also interested in figuring out how he's going to make this term or how he would make this term different from the last one in terms of the personnel that he hires. You look at all these awful people. He either didn't fire them if he inherited them or he hired truly awful people. And he acts like he's not the one that hired Christopher Ray. He acts like he's not the one who hired John Bolton. He acts like he's not the one who hired that shrew on The View. He acts like they just hatched out of an egg and suddenly they were there and he had to deal with all of these lunatics. Candidate Trump needs to explain how this term would be different, how he would figure out a way to get more Rick Grinnells and fewer Christopher Rays. That to me is more important to him, for, for him to identify that he will be a good candidate and a good president than getting involved in the culture war subjects that I think you and I both know he doesn't particularly care about anyway. No, he doesn't care about them. But at the same time, and I'm not I'm not making passing a judgment on this, I agree with what you just said, but Donald Trump very clearly will not admit he is wrong. Like the, the lockdowns and vaccines and things like that. He's still out there saying he did it perfectly, even though that's not not what the base wants to hear. 
I personally, and I don't think he can bring himself to do this, I think there would be a huge appetite in the GOP base if he would step up and say, yeah, look, I should have, Christopher Ray was bad. Dr. Fauci sucked. Bill Barr sucked. When we get in there next time, we're going to hire way better people because I, I made some mistakes last time. I'm not naive. I don't think that's coming, but I think that would be very appealing to people. Or am I naive? And it wouldn't be appealing to people at all. No, I, I think you're 100% right. And I think that, that reigning in the administrative state is something that he's going to have to do. You cannot have an out-of-control FBI. You cannot have an out-of-control Department of Health and Human Services. You have to make sure that these, these organizations do and perform what the mission is, and they don't go beyond that and get involved in politics and try to dictate the public policy of the country. He put out that list of judges that he would appoint to the Supreme Court if elected that was provided to him by the Federalist Society. I would love to see a candidate Trump come out with a list of people who he would be considering or at least would, would promise to appoint from for these various cabinet positions. So we know on day one, if he gets in there, this guy is going to clean out the FBI and this one's going to clean out the EPA and this one's going to clean out the CIA. And we're going to make sure that if they are not behind the core mission of the organization, if they want to do other things, there is not space for them in a second Trump administration. I think he almost has to lay it out in black and white like that. Let's address the elephant in the room before I let you go, John, the legal troubles. Because this is going to be a primary unlike anything we've ever seen. And yeah, all this stuff is unjust, but none of that stuff change none of that changes things. Donald Trump is in serious legal trouble in New York City. He's in serious legal trouble in Washington, DC. That might be where he's in the most trouble. Probably Georgia as well. We're talking indictments, one of them has already happened. We're maybe convictions, trials and convictions. In fact, I think that's probably the likely scenario. This is going to be an insane primary. How does he deal with it? How does DeSantis deal with it? Well, one of the things that seems to be true about Donald Trump and has been true for a long time is that he brings out the worst impulses in his opponents. I don't know why. I don't know how it consistently happens, but it always happens. <laughs> and his political opponents, particularly those who are supposed to play it straight, like the DA in New York and that, that jury foreman in Georgia, they hate him so much and they essentially regard him as a criminal and work backwards from that. So they don't look at the facts and let the facts lead them to whatever the conclusion is. They start with the conclusion and work backwards because they hate him so much and are so convinced that he's a criminal that they don't believe he's entitled to any kind of fairness. And when that is what is put out time and time and time again, I don't think anyone who is inclined to vote for Donald Trump or open to voting for Donald Trump, I don't think they see it for anything other than what it is, which is a partisan witch hunt. And certainly that's the spin that he puts on it too. But every time they put some juror on television who looks like she just snorted the left field line at Anaheim Stadium, or they put that district attorney, that crooked Soros district attorney up in New York on television, people can fundamentally identify the unfairness of what's going on. And if his opponents continue to behave like that, I don't think it hurts them politically that it would hurt another candidate if they did play it straight and that's just where it led them. Yeah. John, appreciate you, man. Come back soon. Thanks for having me.
it's going to be a wild primary. It's going to be a wild primary. I'm excited for it. I know everyone else is dreading it, but that's because you still have hope. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's going to be a wild primary, though. All right, quit. We have uh, stochastic terrorism. I love that word. While you look it up, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Before we get to stochastic terrorism, let's get to you and the gun you carry. I hope you know how to use your weapon safely. I hope you know how to use it fast. I hope you're fast and deadly. But there's another aspect to all of this. There's another aspect to carrying a weapon, your legal protections. Because right now, there's a lot of dirty in the legal system in this country. So what you need, you don't need the insurance they sell you with your CCW because the insurance companies can just drop you if they don't, if they think it's self, if they don't think it's self-defense, they just drop you. You need an attorney on retainer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what Attorneys for Freedom is. It's your legal protection for that weapon you carry around. Go to attorneysforfreedom.com slash jesse, gets you 25 bucks off your retainer, but go and protect yourself so you're not sitting behind a pane of glass visiting your family the rest of your life. Attorneysforfreedom.com slash jesse. We'll be back. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. A backlash in the streets if the debt ceiling thing doesn't go well? Huh, that's an interesting way to put that. Joining me now, Congresswoman, great one from the state of Colorado, Lauren Boebert, friend of the show. Lauren, uh, that sounds a lot like a threat of stochastic terrorism from a sitting member of Congress. What's going to happen in the streets, Lauren, if you don't cave on the debt ceiling? Well, I sure hope it doesn't look like the riots of 2020, Jesse. Um, we know that when Democrats take to the streets, uh, they do it um, to the fullest extent. And I wouldn't want to see anything like that. But look, these liber liberals are saying if they don't get their way on the debt ceiling, they're going to take to the streets and riot. Jesse, this is absolutely something that sounds like a threat to me. Like, really, you're going to start rioting now over spending cuts? Now, I I've was married for 20 years. Um, I, I've thrown some fits over spending cuts, but I've never taken to the streets over them. And especially when we're all advocating um, for just to return to pre-COVID levels. And uh, you know, there's just no hiding anymore. The left's extremism is on full display in everything that they do. It is, it certainly is. I did see Janet Yellen on TV making threats of doom. Here she was. Early June is when we project that we will run out of cash and there is a chance it could be as early as June 1st. Of course, there is a lot of uncertainty. Are there extraordinary measures you can take around that time or is that it? Well, really, that's it. We've been using extraordinary measures for several months now and um, our ability to do that is running out and we will start to run down our cash. Now, Lauren, help people understand this who don't understand, they don't get the inner workings of DC. We're running out of cash, we're about to be out of cash, we're out of cash, 
And these people can't stop giving press conferences every other day announcing, hey, we're sending another $100 billion to Ukraine. There's a, Joe Biden just bragged about another $250 million for some global pandemic bunch of crap. They seem to have no problem spending money, but we're almost out of cash. Can you, can you merge those two wires for me? Right. Well, I think it's amazing that Janet Yellen uh, suddenly has this crystal ball to look into and she sees this magical date of June 1st when everything is going to collapse and collide. Um, but she couldn't foresee uh, inflation coming from uh, a mile away. She couldn't foresee the banking crisis. And I'm pretty sure, Jesse, that all Republicans have been shouting for the rooftops that you cannot just print money every single day and expect this to be sustainable. Now, House Republicans, specifically uh, the House Freedom Caucus, is demanding that Janet Yellen show her work and this administration needs to be much more transparent. We have Janet Yellen shouting from the rooftops that the government is going to run out of cash when this administration has just printed trillions and trillions of dollars over the past two years. Like, come on, you know uh, that I, I'm, I'm grateful that we have uh, the gavel to actually have oversight, but there must be transparency with this administration. And Janet Yellen needs to come in and provide um, provide this information and show her work like a sixth grade math uh, assignment and produce what she is seeing for this June 1st deadline. Uh, are we going to hit this deadline? It sure sounds like negotiations are going nowhere right now, which is fine by me. Shut the government down. That works for me. But uh, what, what do you think? Wait, you don't, you don't want to fund tyranny, Jesse? You don't want to fund woke nah. programs and okay. <laughs> administrations or weaponized government? Look, Jesse, Republicans have proposed common sense plans um, such as the Limit Safe Grow Act, which would lift the debt ceiling until next year, not 2024, not 2020 or not 25, 26. Um, it would limit it just until next year and uh, limit Washington's irresponsible spending that we're seeing. We would save tax dollars and grow the American economy. It's not just about um, federal spending. It's about defunding woke ideology that is corrupting our government. And we shouldn't be giving a single dollar to woke and weaponized federal agencies that are targeting conservatives. Now, our Limit Save Grow Act, I, as you've seen, it cuts federal spending by $4.8 trillion over a 10-year period and it blocks the $500 billion student loan bailout, rescinds nearly $60 billion in unspent COVID funds, repeals the Green New Deal tax credits found in the Inflation Reduction Act, defunds Biden's 87,000 IRS agents, and then it also strengthens work requirements for federal government programs. Um, we The main focus, though, is that it caps discretionary spending at um, fiscal year 2022 levels, and that allows for 1% growth annually. But this is the deal that we have passed, that we have put forward. Now it's up to the Senate and Joe Biden to come to the table with this. And Jesse, I'm ready to up the ante. If they are going to look at what we passed out of the House and say, no, you're cutting A, B, C, well, I'm keeping A, B, and C in there, and I'm starting to add things like HR2 and add border security um, to this uh, so, so we can beef it up even more. I, I'm not going to pander to the Senate or to Joe Biden. Uh, I'm going to strengthen this and stand up for the American people just like I was elected to do. Freaking outstanding. Some offense. Lauren Bobert, Congresswoman, appreciate you very much. Thanks, Jesse. All right, we're going to talk to Clay Martin next, part of our leading up to Memorial Day thing. Now, Clay Martin was 
a Marine, and then he switched to become a Green Beret. So leaving the, or leaving the Marines to join the Army has caused me to already reach out to my friends at Chalk and ask them to get Clay a free male vitality stack. Because what Chalk is, it's natural herbal supplements. But once you take this male vitality stack, take it for 90 days, you'll have a 20% increase in your testosterone. So you don't have to, you don't have to ever consider leaving the Marines to join the Army. You can have one of these too. It's not just for Clay Martin. Go to choq.com, promo code JESSE, gets you 35% off your male vitality stack. Ladies, there's a female vitality stack too. Chalk.com, promo code JESSE, get a subscription. Take it for 90 days and tell me how you feel. We'll be back. Memorial Day. Let's do keep in mind Memorial Day is a day to honor the fallen. It is a sacred day where you honor the fallen. So don't thank veterans. Don't thank firefighters and first responders. In fact, don't thank anybody unless you have some gold star family out there. Them you can thank. Joining me now, my friend Clay Martin, Marine Scout Sniper, Marine Recon, and then sadly he left to go be a Green Beret, and now he's a world-famous author. Clay, uh, Memorial Day. I get why people spread it around a lot. Now, I want to thank everybody, but that's not what the day is. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, it's also not a day for uh, barbecue and burgers or uh, deciding to go to the lake, if we want to be quite honest with you. That's what it means to most people, though. But, yeah, for those people that are veterans, you know, this is a, a sacred, probably the most sacred of our holidays. It's the day for the dead. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think, in particular, the last couple of years has been a very rough one. Why? Why? Particularly since the uh, debacle of the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan, I think the Memorial Day has hit most of us veterans from the uh, from the GWAT at least a, a little harder. And uh, maybe this is something that our Vietnam brothers always always kind of uh, dealt with on this this holiday. But uh, yeah, just seeing again the uh, the, Mar the uh, surviving Marine uh, that could have stopped that bombing at the uh, the couple at the uh, airport. And the uh, 13 Marines that, uh, that unfortunately died when they didn't have to, it kind of takes us to a different place and kind of you know, makes us think, I think, in that uh, all the casualties of the war that we fought in, in a different manner. Who's Jason Gordon Maxwell? Jason Gordon Maxwell, and it's funny, with Memorial Day also, we tend to, especially those of us from, from this war, we tend to remember the guys that died in, in combat. But people that often get overlooked at this time is uh, the, the, Mar the Marines, the soldiers, sailors that died in training. Uh, Jason Maxwell was a uh, larger than life kind of dude. He was actually my partner in the amphibious reconnaissance course. We were the two biggest guys there. We were the only guys close to 200 pounds, which meant we had to carry each other all the time. Uh, we were swim buddies because we were the same size. And uh, Jason, I, if I remember correctly, was actually the honor graduate of our class. Uh, so he got choice of assignment, went straight to uh, Second Force Recon as a, as a Lance Corporal. Uh, he was also one of the first Marines into Afghanistan with that, I forget which Mew it was, but the Mew that, that showed up in November-ish of 2001. He was with them, so one of the uh, very, first, uh, very first Marines into Afghanistan. And then uh, tragically, he uh, died actually in a training accident. He actually burned into the DZ at Halo School in 2003. 
while I was in Special Forces selection. Uh, and I guess it had been about a week. We didn't find out. Uh, we were kind of isolated there until we uh, until selection ended and, uh, and found out about it. And uh, that was just, I mean, one of the greatest tragedies of, of my life, just that he went out in, in a training accident. And uh, really kind of at the beginning of his career, too. Artie has such a spectacular career that he was uh, allowed to be buried in Arlington. But, yeah, just a giant of a man, and that's kind of the way things go sometimes. It is, and, and I'm, I'm glad you talk about him because this is something I've always been passionate about. I try to talk about it on my shows a lot. The guys who die in training accidents, couple helos collapse, a chute doesn't open, somebody drowns, look, somebody gets shot. It, it, that's part of training for combat, and I've never looked at it as less heroic than dying in Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam or anywhere else. It's just the same, but we don't talk about them in the same way because it doesn't, you know, it's not charging a machine gun nest. It doesn't make us feel good. They don't make movies about the training accident death, but it's just as equal to anyone else who gave it all. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, just, as, it's just as tragic, if not more tragic, maybe in that regard. That no matter what they had done prior to that, they tend to not be remembered the same way, which is, you know, actually very sad. And uh, you know as well as I do, especially on the uh, the infantry and soft sides, there are a lot of guys that die in training. Uh, it happens all the time, no matter what safeguards are put into place. Uh, I remember actually just uh, about a year before I left the Marine Corps, uh, two guys died on a mortar range at Camp Lejeune, uh, just a, a hung round or something in a tube, and you know how that goes. And you're you're just as 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 dead, unfortunately, if it happened right there or. You know, charging a machine gun nest and shooting Bin Laden or, or whatever we want to call it, but uh, it is a, it is still a tragedy, and those guys do absolutely deserve to be remembered. Well, same thing where I, same thing where I was. Guy dropped around, young boot didn't realize round had been dropped. Dropped the second right on top of it, whole mortar line gone like that, like that. I, all right, Clay, let's get off of that stuff. Paratrooper, why would you why would you do that? You were a marine, and then you go. You go and become a Green Beret. Why would you do something like that? It was uh, it was a very rough time back then in the Marine Corps for the for the special operations side. Uh, things were not going super great for us as the uh, as the war kind of unfolded, and it was actually a it was a bit of a protest. Actually, There's some insane amount of the uh, force recon and recon Marines left, like sixty percent after uh, after two thousand and three, and that was actually the impetus. Why? The, uh, the biggest problem there was we did not fall under SOCOM, which was not a problem when SOCOM was founded in 1986. It became more of a problem throughout the years. So the, by the time the, uh, the war on terror started, uh, we were really kind of getting sidelined because we didn't have any generals uh, wearing our colors that were, uh, that were fighting for us. And the uh, Marine Corps really did not want to let go. They did not want Force Recon and Recon to go to SOCOM. Uh, they wanted to retain those assets, so it, it took that level of protest uh, for them to, for their hand to kind of be forced, and they formed MARSOC, and it, you know, it took a couple of years, but now those guys are, are under the uh, the umbrella. But uh, it was uh, it was actually a really weird time. I was on a, an, a Green Beret Operational Detachment Alpha with two other recon Marines that I knew. Uh, I was a selection with like seven of them, and actually many years later, back to uh, back to Jason. When I finally went to Halo School, it was like six years later. I went with another guy, another teammate of mine that was also a reconnaissance Marine. And while we were there, we met up with uh, a friend of his that had been a recon Marine that was on his BUDS instructor rotation. So 
it was just kind of a, a weird full circle thing with uh, with how many of us left and and kind of why we had to do so. Clay, you mentioned all the GWAT boys. Uh, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. You and I have talked about this before privately, where my entire life, if your dad served, I'm not saying you always served, but you thought about it, and oftentimes you did, and your dad would encourage you to, certainly would not dissuade you. Clay, I'm a father. I tell my sons not to. I don't know a single friend of mine who served now who is telling his sons or daughters to join. In fact, most of them are doing the opposite. I've never had this, I've never seen this in my life. In my 41 years on this earth, I've never, I've never seen this before. I haven't either. You know, honestly, the only people I ever saw that encouraged their sons not to join were people whose fathers were draftees for either Vietnam or Korea. My, my own grandfather uh, was supposed to be drafted for Korea and ended up enlisting in the Air Force instead. And he was, he was very anti-military because of that. But pretty much everybody else they looked at it as a good thing. In fact, a lot of draftees ended up looking at it as a good thing because of the way it changed their life for their sons. So I've never seen anything like this either. And we're talking, you know, full scale. And I'm in the same boat. I have two young sons, and there's no way that I would encourage them to join this military. And I, I talk to friends all the time that say the same thing. Things are, are so distraught with leadership right now in the direction things are heading. One, I, I don't see any any moral character to what we have left in, in a lot of ways to a military. And I certainly see a huge slip of, uh, of discipline and the, the other things that we looked at as, as net benefits. And uh, we're, in, we're in such a downhill slide right now that it's, I mean, it's hard to fathom. But if the recruiting problems are this right now, what are they going to be like in two or three more years? Play Martin. Obviously, I know all about your books. I love the fictional book, Wrath of Wendigo, but I would go purchase all of his books, Concrete Jungle, Concrete Jungle, all of them. They're all outstanding. Clay, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you too, Jesse. Thanks, brother. All right. We've got Light in the Mood next. Now, if you go pick up Clay's books, not just the fictional one, The Wrath of Wendigo is a fictional book, he has practical books, how-to, urban environments, rural environments. If things start to come apart on us, what are you going to do? What should you do? Basics. You don't want to know one of the basics. It's a fairly important basic. Food. Everyone talks about guns. How many guns you got? Hey, how much ammo you got? You got your MVGs? Because all that stuff's sexy and fun, and we're dudes, and we like that stuff, right? No one says, hey, do you have spaghetti? My Patriot Supply has emergency three-month food kits ready to go. Right now, they're $200 off. They ship fast. They ship free. Every person in your home needs three months' worth of food. These have a long shelf life. Buy it. Stash it. Forget about it. Pray to God you never need it, but you never know in this day and age. They're $200 off right now when you go to preparewithjessikelly.com. Preparewithjessikelly.com. We'll be back. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. And I apparently made everyone mad again. All the lips are freaking out. Half the weenies on the right are freaking out. We'll go into that in just a quick moment. Before we go into that, let's go into this. Let's go into allergy season because we're all suffering right now. Woke up again today. My son comes out. First thing he tells me is, Dad, you're not going to believe this. Air quality alert again in Houston. It's all, it's all the time down here. 
all the time. Everything's pollen and pollution everywhere you go. But there is hope. You know why there is hope? Because there is Eden pure thunderstorm. I can't do anything. You can't do anything about the air outside. You can do everything about the air in your home, air in your wherever you work. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and you'll see there's three packs of the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Clean your air and you will you'll experience such a difference. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE gets you $200 off those three packs, all right? All right. Well, you know how I say we're not a people, sadly, worthy of freedom anymore? Because I love freedom. I want government teeny tiny. I want to be free. But as soon as you get to a place in your society where you have to ban child mutilation, you're not a people who's ready for freedom anymore. And so we're going to have a dictator. It's what we need. It's what we deserve. We deserve a dictator. Well, I said that. And now all these articles from Huffington Post to media, the mediator, whatever you call him, pro-Trump Tucker Carlson regular comes right out and says it. The country needs a dictator. Don't you love that? Pro-Trump Tucker Carlson regular. Just tossing in all the buzzwords they possibly can. So let me just clarify for Huffington Post and the libs and the low TGO peers on the right. I just want to make something totally clear. I'm not sorry about a single thing I said. I not only believe it, I will repeat it now over and over and over again, not just because I believe it, but because it makes you mad and whine. Okay? All right. We'll do it again tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He was called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said... Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Banacaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.